Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Ephesians, the uh, epistle that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, to the, uh, the church at Ephesus. Now I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. Last time we read uh, chapter 1. Now at the end of chapter 1, Paul is explaining how everything has been made subject to Christ. And that, let's see, um, head over all things in the church, which is his body and the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all believers. So referring you know, back to the fact that we are also subject to Jesus, we are he is head over the church. He's head over us. And that's the end of chapter 1. Now chapter 2 starts like this. And you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sins in which you once walked. You were following the ways of this world, influenced by this present age, in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan the spirit who is now at work in the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. Among these unbelievers, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by the sinful self, indulging the desires of, the human, of human nature without the Holy Spirit, and the impulses of the sinful mind. We were by nature children under the sentence of God's wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus by providing for our redemption. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. So there's a whole lot there in those ten verses, but if we look at this sensibly, this, this goes back to when I say that 
God accepts us as we are. He accepts us with our flaws, with our shortcomings. That's how we start off. God accepts us. He accepts who we are. He knows that we have been living in the world. He knows that we have been doing all these things that we've done, no matter how awful we may think they are or whatever. That doesn't matter. He accepts us. He accepts us when we have that call to come and be reconciled to God and we, we, uh, we are baptized and we pray and we want to be close to God and we accept Jesus and we, uh, you know, and we're baptized into the family, into the, into God's family, into Christ. When we, uh, do that, then that's when that's when he makes us spiritually alive and we are no longer spiritually dead and we are brought into Christ, into Jesus, and he seats us because that's where Jesus is as a part of Jesus' body. He seats us in the heavenly places. Now, that's just the beginning, but that's still, that's totally unmerited. We didn't do anything to earn that. That's why I say God accepts us as we are, and he does. He accepts us for the flawed person we are. It's only, it's after this that we begin the work of becoming more like God and following God. And that's part of our faith. Um, and it takes time. You're not going to be perfect overnight. But nonetheless, and he says uh, here for, uh, this is in chapter, in verse 10, sorry. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed um, for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand and paths so that we would walk them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. All of this is ready for all of us all the time. He accepts all of us if we will just turn to him. You know, it's kind of like Jesus said, or, you know, they don't, they, they don't want to listen or they don't want to hear, they don't want to understand or they would turn to me and I would heal them. And that's kind of, that's again kind of going that way in that we are a workmanship of God through his grace. Um, the first part of that is we are reborn, we are transformed and we become part of uh, the church, part of Christ, his body, and uh, he accepts us into the kingdom of heaven. And then, uh, that's when we start following him, and that's when the work begins. And we start slowly changing over time. You know, we work through that faithfully, and we change ourselves over time. It's, it's prearranged in the fact that all, all men are welcome. God wants everyone. I, I say all men. I mean mankind, all men and women. I mean everyone uh, is welcome. God wants everyone saved. But he wants it to be our choice, and it can't be forced. So, I don't want to continue on too long, but you get the idea. This was, uh, this is talking about our salvation. We receive our salvation through grace, not through any work we do. Now, some people might want to say baptism is a work, but it is not. There's a difference. Every, every time we have, uh, we, we, we need to do something. If we believe something, we have to, have some action in faith that shows that we believe it. And as far as being baptized and being born again, um, the only action 
that we would take that it just shows it is just an act of faith that shows the world and shows everyone and it shows our subjection humility to God is that's what baptism is it is not um, the water in and of itself does not save you of course you know it's it's God that is that is saving you but you are presenting yourself you're subjecting yourself and it's not a work it is an act of faith saying yes I believe in you and we always we always have an act of faith that goes with our belief even sometimes even that act is only just prayer because we don't and I say just prayer sorry about that but but I say sometimes that's all we can do is pray that we don't have any other action we can take but we can pray and believe and stand on that and we can you know mention that but uh, but everything requires some act of faith but it's not a work you know you don't earn your way into heaven by dunking yourself in water if that was the case I could just go take a shower and I'd be clean and good to go all the time but that's that's not the way it works you know that's just not the way it is <clears throat> so you know just to make sure we're clear on that you're not doing any work um, just like when you pray to God that that first time whether you're coming back to God or whether you're being um, uh, baptized and saved initially um, that first time when you come to God believing and praying and maybe you kneel down or maybe you just go forward and talk to someone or reach out to someone who can help you get baptized um, those that's just that's just little steps little acts of faith that's not uh, a work in any way so all right <clears throat> verse 11 therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth who are called uncircumcision by those who call themselves circumcision and we're just making the distinction here over and over between Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles um, itself a mere mark which is made in the flesh by human hands remember that at the at that time you were separated from Christ excluded from any relationship with him alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise with no share in the sacred messianic promise and without knowledge of God's agreements having no hope in his promise and living in the world without God very true back then the Jews were exclusively God's people they were the only ones now and they did not do like we as Christians, we have a, uh, and you know, we have been really we've been commanded or instructed by Jesus to, um, you know, to preach the gospel, to convert people to Christianity, to get them, to give them a chance to believe in Jesus, not not to make them believe, not to force them to believe, to give them the opportunity to believe in Jesus and come to God. That's really what it's about, is to give people the opportunity to do that. Um, <clears throat> but the Jews, they had a way of converting you to Judaism, and it was a long process of legalities and rituals and stuff. I think they still have it today. But and that was really not their thing, that they did not feel compelled to 
bring people in to them as Jews. Instead, as we know throughout most of the Old Testament, they would intermix with these other people and they would be adversely influenced to follow other gods and to do other things. So, we know that didn't work out so well. Um, but anyway, we have we have like an opposite type of uh, covenant where we should be uh, spreading the gospel and offering people the opportunity to come to God. And that's really how we should look at it. Um, I, I know in the old, old times people have thought about it like, you know, um, thumping your Bible and, and whooping people and getting them in, you know, to God that way, but but we really want to give them the opportunity to really come to God um, in the correct manner. So, nonetheless, so <clears throat> verse thirteen. But now, at this very moment in Christ Jesus, you who once were so very far away from God have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace and our bond of unity. He who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles into one body and broke down the barrier, the dividing wall of spiritual antagonism between us, by abolishing in his own crucified flesh the hostility caused by the law, with its commandments contained in ordinances which he satisfied, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thereby establishing peace. In other words, creating... um, Peace through making us all the same, breaking down the barrier so that we can all be the children of God. We all have the same opportunity. We all have the same um, promise and the same Father. And that he might reconcile them both, Jew and Gentile, united in one body to God through the cross, thereby putting putting to death the hostility. And he came and preached the good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away, and peace to those Jews who were near. For it is through him that we both have a direct way of approach in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together, and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him, and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." So, while some of this is a little, maybe a little flowery, or however you want to think of it, um, he's, Paul is just referring to the fact that we are no longer strangers and aliens. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. When we are brought, when we are baptized and brought into the body of Christ, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, and accept God as our Father, we become God's children, we become a part of the body of Christ, and we are in the kingdom of heaven. We are spiritually in the kingdom of heaven, even now. 
because we are citizens of that kingdom. And we are also members of God's own household because we become his children. So we're no longer strangers or outcasts or whatever you want to think of us. Um, we're no longer considered foreign or foreigners. No, we are acting within um, our correct rights, the things, the, the very rights that God gives us freely. It's, it's, it's his grace. He gives us all of this freely. And, um, you know, we, we do need to follow, as we've mentioned before, we do need to follow his ways and follow his, um, his word. But all this, especially in the initial steps, which is what Paul is talking about, initially when you come to Christ, when you come to God, you are made a citizen of heaven. You are made a children, a child of God. You, you are a part of his household. And so you are no longer, you know, an outcast or a stranger. You are part of God's family and a part of his kingdom. And that's where we start, and that's how we should grow and continue. And we are dedicated to God. And, uh, and Jesus, if we think of ourselves as the church, the church, then Jesus is that chief cornerstone that we are building that church on. And when we become this temple to God, it is a spiritual thing. It's not an actual physical thing. But if you can imagine all of us, you know, stacking up into a spiritual uh, kind of body being for God to inhabit or even a building and say his spirit's inside. But I, I think of it as more like um, we have the Holy Spirit in us and I think of it more as that. But nonetheless, what Paul is saying here is uh, that unlike in the old days where it was the Jews only, we are all, we are all accepted, we are all citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are children of God. And that is through the grace and mercy of God and through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, which that, I mean, that shows, that shows the, the grace and mercy that Jesus did that for us at that time when we were all basically, um, you know, we were basically sinners, enemies of God. We didn't know God. You, you understand what I mean? And we're, we weren't part of his family, and yet he did it for us before we were a part of his family, before we were accepted into his kingdom. So, all right. That is Ephesians 2. There's a lot of good stuff in Ephesians, and this may take a while to get through it all, and some of this might be long. Please just bear with me. I think it's very worthwhile. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Remember that God loves you.